I had someone come up to me this morning and say, thank you for teaching this because I had an opportunity to practice it yesterday. And I thought, yeah, that's going to happen. It's good to have uh, some ammo ahead of time when you're going to be fighting the enemy because he's out to kill, to steal, and to destroy relationships. And if your relationships are not good in your life, nothing else matters. I mean, you can have, have a steak to eat every meal. You can have a million dollars in the bank. But if your relationships are miserable, you are miserable and steaks don't help. And even a million dollars doesn't help. So what you're learning here is probably more valuable than anything that you can learn any, uh, on any level. How to operate in relationships. So uh, I want to put up our, our scripture, Galatians 5.14. This is our base scripture. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in one precept. So it's one precept with three parts. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. So the first part is that we love God. It's not in that particular scripture, but we've read that. We love God, we love our neighbor, and we love ourselves. The three components of love. Now, uh, love is an interesting thing. It's not just one-sided. So I'm calling this this morning the other side of the coin. So I have here, you probably can't see it, but you can see it on the overhead. We have a coin, and it has two sides. We would say the side with what we call the head side, that's the giving side of love. Love is giving. As God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So one part, one side of the coin is giving. The other side of the coin is forgiving. So when we go back to, if you go back to Galatians, the uh, fifth chapter. So if we are going to be forgiving, then we're going to have to be forgiving in those three areas that we're talking about. We're going to have to be forgiving towards God. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been mad at God. But I... I have been mad at God. I have had opportunity to be offended at God. January the 1st, I had an opportunity to be offended at God. And I, uh, I chose not to. But you can be offended. You, there are people going through life that they have been told that... Uh, God took their loved one to heaven because he needed them. And here on earth, they left a family and children. And, and you say, what kind of God is that? Well, it's, that's not a true statement. God is not the God of death. Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. 
But people are offended at God. So what do they have to do if they get offended at God? They got to forgive him just like they do anybody else. Then, of course, we know that there are people in this world that might offend us. I mean, like yesterday or tomorrow, there's, you're going to face people that are going to offend you because Jesus said, and we talked about this last week, he said offenses will come. I mean, that's, he's warning us. He's not promising that to us, but he's warning us that offenses will come. So we're going to have to forgive other people. And then lastly, we have to forgive ourselves. Have you ever had trouble forgiving yourself because you did something stupid? I doubt that any of you have ever done anything stupid, right? Well, it's just as important that we forgive ourselves as much as we forgive somebody else. So this morning I want to talk about this uh, important, magnificent concept of the other side of the coin. So um, there is a therapist, Beverly Flanagan. She's a clinical professor of social work at the University of, Wich of Wisconsin. And this is, this is a statement that she said. And this is not even a, a preacher. This is a, a, a social worker, a therapist. She said, forgiveness is a process that allows you to reframe even the most hurtful injury. Reframe how you regard the person who hurt you. Ditch the anger and hatred that seals you in a negative force field and allows you to move on with your life. It's one of the few means you have to free yourself of the past. We all have a past. And many times we bring that past into the present. And we, we carry it around with us all our lives. And it's baggage that weighs us down. It keeps us from running the race that we need to run. So how do you get free from past hurts? How do you get free from uh, when you were a child and you were mistreated or you were rejected and a spirit of rejection got on you and, and you, you've struggled with it all your life? How do you get free? According to this therapist, you only can get free by forgiving. Now, we'll see that the Bible backs, backs this up as well. So I want to look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. First of all, I want to show you the fruit of unforgiveness. So I want to look at verse 31. And I want you to notice all of the descriptions that we have in here of behavior. I want, to notice, want you to notice all the behavior descriptions that's in this verse. 
So first of all, it says, let all bitterness. So you can mark that down. Indignation. Wrath. Passion. Rage. Bad temper. Resentment. Anger. Animosity. Quarreling. Brawling. Clamor. Contention. Slander. Evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. So if you, if you made an internal list of all of those descriptive words, uh, then that is the fruit of unforgiveness. So... Uh, this scripture, Paul is talking to Christians and he's telling us what to do with all that fruit. And he said, let it be what? Banished from you. This is not the fruit of the Spirit, people. This is not the fruit. This is the fruit of the unholy spirit. And this opens... Whenever there is unforgiveness in a person's life, it opens the door for all of these ugly, this, all this ugly fruit. But it says to banish it from you. I looked up the word banish. I don't use that word a lot. So I just wanted to see what Paul was actually saying. So he says, banish means to forbid, to abolish, or get rid of something unwanted. In other words, he says to get rid of this fruit. You don't need it. Forbid it in your life. Abolish it. So if you have experienced this fruit, you know that it gives you a really bad bellyache. It is not something that produces peace in your life. So in order to walk in a victorious life, we've got to do some banishing in our life if there has been unforgiveness. So uh, unforgiveness always leads to bitterness. So I want to talk about bitterness for just a minute. Uh, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 15th verse, in the, in the King James, it says... Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. Now, first of all, he says you're going to need some grace. Don't fail to get God's grace. You know, I, I taught a whole series on the unforced rhythms of grace. God's got grace for you if you really want it, to be able to forgive. But if you don't forgive, there's going to be a root of bitterness that's going to spring up. And first of all, what's it going to do? Trouble you. You're going to be troubled. You may think it's the other person that did you wrong that you're going to hurt. No, it's going to be hurting you first. And then the other part of it says, there's going to be many people defiled. 
Everyone around you can be defiled by your bitterness. Many years ago, a uh, pastor and I had gone out to eat with someone in the evening, and it was, it was dark when we got home. So uh, at that time, I, we had an enclosed gazebo. It was like a cat condominium, actually. That's where our cats uh, lived in and out, and that's where I fed my cats. So I went into the gazebo to feed my cats because I realized that I had not fed them. So I was starting to pour the cat food into the bowl, and I looked up, and in the corner of that gazebo, I saw movement. And that movement had a big tail, a big bushy tail. And at, as I continued to look, I saw that it had a white stripe. It just, I could, my eyes were adjusting. I saw the white stripe. I saw the, the bushy tail, and it was aimed right at me. Now, I have to tell you that in a split second, faster than a speeding bullet, I ran out of that gazebo and ran into the house. Why did I want to get away from that skunk? Now, look at that skunk. Isn't it cute? It really is cute. I saw some pictures of skunks that had this big white, I mean, real wide white dunce back. They were beautiful. And yet, even though they are so cute, they have trouble sustaining a close relationship. Why is it? Because of their stinking attitude. They will defile many. I'm talking many. So, uh, when we have a root of bitterness in our lives, we may not understand that we have it. Um, we may not, uh, I mean, somebody might say, well, you seem kind of bitter about that. And we'd say, are you kidding me? I'm not bitter. I've just been done wrong. I'm just, you know, I've just, somebody just hurt me. I, I'm reminded, leave, your, leave my little picture up there for just a minute. I'm reminded that Kim and Eugene, uh, years, several years ago when they lived on the ranch, uh, they had a pet skunk. Now, not very many people have pet skunks. Uh, but they had a pet skunk, and they'd raised it from a, from a baby, so they even let, kept it in the house most of the time. They kept it in the house, and they, and, and they were fine. I mean, they were getting along really good until one day Kim accidentally stepped on it. And let me tell you, when she stepped on it, what was on the inside of that skunk came out. <laughs> and it defiled the whole house. And so I have to tell you, when you have a root of bitterness, you may be able to hide it for a while. But when somebody hurts you or something doesn't go right in your life, what's on the inside is going to come out. And that stinking attitude is going to come out. I, uh, I jotted down a list of the 
behavior of a person that's bitter. So uh, just, you know, it's just kind of like the selfishness picture. Once you, once you look at it, you can't unlook at it. You already know what selfishness looks like. So I want you to know what bitterness looks like. Here's what bitterness looks like. A person who is bitter is hostile and has a sharp tongue, is touchy and easily offended, is picky and critical, is self-centered, is insensitive, has hardness of heart, is demanding, is quick to withdraw, has a revengeful spirit, is ill-tempered, has ill will, is moody, is preoccupied with the past, is suspicious and distrustful, consistently projects wrong motives on others, is unable to respond to affection or give genuine affection to others, is unable to communicate without hostility. Now those are some of the fruit of bitterness. They're ugly fruit. And you can see how that fruit would defile every relationship that you would have. You can't hide that stuff. And so if you're going to sustain and get along well in relationships, you, it, you cannot afford a root of bitterness. Because the first thing the root of bitterness does is it defiles you. The Amplified says it torments. Bitterness torments you. And so, um, one thing that we must do if we're going to stay free from bitterness is, first of all, see, we have this human thing that... Um, if somebody does something to us, then it's our right to do it back to them. It's kind of like we begin to formulate a plan. See, this is what bitterness will do. It'll formulate a plan of vengeance towards the one that hurt you. You hurt me, I'm going to figure out a way to hurt you. I'm going to pay you back. For what you did to me. So I want to look at uh, Ro Romans, the 12th chapter. We're going to talk about this uh, problem of vengeance. <clears throat> um, we'll start in verse 17. Verse 16 is really good. It talks about living in harmony with other, one another. And so this is a way to do it. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. So uh, if you're going to be noble live above reproach in the sight of everyone, then you cannot be involved in evil for evil. Let's go to the next verse. I like this. I kind of 
chuckle when I read this. Because this is Paul talking. And he said, if it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, you know, you cannot guarantee that every person is going to live at peace with you. You may have already found that out. There are people that are really hard to get along with. So Paul is saying, if it's possible, if you can do this, as far as depends on you. So all through this teaching, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your spouse. I'm not talking to someone else. I'm talking to you. As far as depends on you, then you live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it takes a lot of work. And before I get through this morning, I'm going to show you how, as far as it depends on you, that you can live in peace with everyone, as far as it depends on you. So let's go to the next verse. Uh-oh. Beloved, never avenge yourself. Put that on your refrigerator. Do not avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So, uh, whenever we think of God's wrath, we think, yes. If somebody hurts me, I want God's wrath on them. I mean, the more wrath, the better. I mean, turn them into toast if you need to, Lord. That's fine with me. Just do something. Judge them, Lord. Judge them. Zap them. Now, I know you all haven't thought that way. But that's what, that's, that would be a natural human response. To make the way open for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Yes, God says, I will repay, saith the Lord. Well, the meaning of wrath, and this may disappoint you or bless you. The meaning of wrath is this. God's hand extended into a situation to bring justice. Now, isn't that what you want? God's hand extended into a situation to bring justice. That's not for you to decide. It's for God to decide what needs to be done. You see... Uh, Whenever uh, someone hurts you, they have planted a bad seed in your life. And they deserve a harvest. From, they're going to get a harvest from that bad seed they planted in your life. They're going to get it. Because that's the law of sowing and reaping. Do unto others as you had them do unto you. So if they're doing Wrong to you, they have a harvest coming. God is the Lord of the harvest. And every time I think of, of the harvest of wrongdoing, I think of the situation with 
Kim and Brad when they were young in their uh, sibling rivalry days. In those days, um, one time, I, uh, Brad and Kim were the two that squabbled most. They didn't squabble much, but if anybody was going to, it was going to be those two. Quentin was just kind of like a easygoing. He hardly ever got involved in any conflict. But, Quentin, um, but Kim and Brad, they did tussle a little bit. So I caught them one day hitting on each other. And, I, and as soon as I stopped him, Kim said, Mom, he started it. And I said, Kim, remember what the Bible says? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And she said, <clears throat> she says, I know, Mom. I know. He did it to me. I did it to him. I said, no, <clears throat> no, it says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. She said, no, Ma, that's right. He did it to me, so I'm doing it to him. And I thought, she's not getting it. And uh, she thought I wasn't getting it. So later on, as she got older, she began to explain to me what she was saying. What she was saying was, Brad was planting bad seeds in her life, and so she was giving him his harvest. He did it to me, I'm giving him his harvest. Because he, he, he's doing unto me as he wants me to do to him. I finally got it. I thought, what you're saying is this. You feel like that since Brad did something to you, you have a right to give him his harvest. So the question of the harvest is right here. Who has the right to give the other person the harvest? Do you have the right to give them their harvest? What will happen if you do back to them what they did to you? Uh, you're planting some bad seeds. So you know what? You got a harvest coming too. And you might not like that harvest. Wouldn't it be smart? Let's just say. Wouldn't it be smart if you decided to plant a different seed into their lives when we're talking about harvest? Let God give them their harvest and you plant something else so that you're going to get a different harvest than they did. So let's read the next verse. So this is what you can do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, the burning coals sound pretty good whenever you really want some vengeance. Heap them up. Heap them by the bucketfuls. But that's not what Paul is talking about. This is talking about you are covering and Pastor Charlie would always go back to Leviticus and show us in, in the scriptures how they, they, would put, um, they would put incense on the altar, on the coals of the altar, and it would come up and it would cover, cover the whole situation with a sweet smell. And it would keep God from striking people dead 
whenever they sinned. And so here it's saying, listen, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, give him a drink, because when you do that, it's a sweet-smelling incense. And it covers the situation. And it makes room for God's justice to come in and begin to work in that other person's life. You know, we as, as lovers of God and lovers of people, we should want God working in people's lives. Even President Biden. Whoever it is, we should want God to work in their lives. We really don't want people to go to hell, do we? We don't. Even our worst enemy, we shouldn't even want them to go to hell. But if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning, uh, will heap burning coals upon his head. Next verse. So this is what we're after. We're after do not let yourself be overcome by evil. See, the evil that comes your way can overcome you. When somebody hurts you, when somebody offends you, there is a temptation. We, we talked about this last week. There is a temptation to, to sin, to get in strife, to get in unforgiveness for somebody. But if you do what this scripture says, that evil that will try to overcome you, it will not overcome you, but you're going to overcome the evil. And you're going to be, come out, instead of the victim, you're going to be the good guy with the white hat on. So, uh, I want to look at First um, Peter 3, verses uh, 8 through 11 in the Amplified. Finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each other as brethren of one household, compassionate and courteous, tender-hearted and humble. Okay, this is kind of a companion verse to what we just read. Never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Scolding, tongue-lashing, berating. But on the contrary, blessing, praying for their welfare, happiness and protection, and truly pitying and loving this, them for know that to this you have been called, that you may yourself inherit a blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as heirs, bringing welfare, happiness, and protection. So we all want welfare, happiness, and protection. So, go back to the, the verse just before this now. So, how are we going to get blessing whenever there's all kinds of problems that we're facing and people are not being very nice to us? Uh, no, verse 9. Well, first of all, here's something we, we don't do. We don't plant the same seed that they planted in your life. We turn around and we plant a different kind of seed. Now, Romans 12 says to plant uh, doing good. 
Here it talks about praying for that person. Praying for their welfare, their happiness, and their protection. Truly pitying and loving them. So what are you doing? You're starting to plant seeds in their lives that you want to get a, a harvest from. And so he says, if you do this, if you plant welfare, pray for welfare for them, pray for happiness for them, pray for protection for them, pray uh, truly pitying them and loving them, then this is what's going to happen. Go back to verse, uh, the next verse now. Then you're going to inherit a blessing from God. You're going to have welfare, happiness, and protection. So which seed do you want to reap from? That's the question. Well, we know this, but sometimes we think, but they hurt us so bad, and I just can't forget it. I mean, it, I just can't, I can't forgive. It just hurts too bad. I, I had that uh, problem years ago. Uh, you know, I shared with uh, Brad and Tammy's story about the big red button, and, and I don't know if you remember, but Brad, Brad had at least a week's problem getting over every time he was hurt. Well, for me, it was that way or more. It's like I could not forget it. And this is what happens many times uh, in our lives when somebody hurts us or, or betrays us. The devil does not want you to forget it. You see, uh, as long as you're remembering that offense, you are going to have the emotions that go along with it. Because emotions are created by what you think and what you say. Now, I want to repeat that. Because we sometimes think emotions can't be helped. They can be helped. I can guarantee you that. It's by what you think and what you say. It's what creates emotions. So this is what happens when somebody hurts you. Then along comes the devil... And when you just think you're just about over it, I mean, the, the incident just starts kind of, uh, hmm, you can't remember everything they said. Then the devil will come along and he will give you a video of that incident. And he'll say, play it. And so you begin to replay it over and over and over in your mind. And every time that you replay this video, it will create the same emotions that happened whenever the incident happened. And so at that time, it's not the incident that's hurting you. This is self-inflicted wounds that you are inflicting yourself with. And so, uh, you know, I learned this uh, in a lot of different ways, but Charlie and I... You know, Charlie loves, uh, loved coon hunting years ago. And so one of our favorite movies to watch was Where the, Red Fern, Where the Red Fern Grows. Now, I tried to find that video, but I don't know what happened to it. Maybe I got tired of crying all the time. But every single time, I mean, we knew how the story would go. But uh, every time we would play it, 
At the end, Charlie and I would get the Kleenex box and we would be blowing our nose because poor Ann and poor Dan died. Oh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you just heard the ending of it. <laughs> but, uh, but every time, we knew it wasn't, I mean, it was just a movie. And yet we had all these emotions. I mean, Charlie boohooed. And an interesting thing happened to me when I was writing, Dawn, writing the book Dawn of the Silver Moon. And um, if you haven't read the book, you need to, but uh, it's over there. Uh, but <laughs> I was writing this, this one chapter. And this is, this is a story out of my imagination. I'm writing this one chapter. And it's the chapter where, if you haven't read the book, I really don't want to tell it. But it was one of the chapters that was real emotional. And I was writing this chapter, and the whole time I was writing this chapter, I was, I was just crying. My, uh, my, I was, had Kleenexes, and, and I, said, I was saying to myself, you are so stupid. What are you doing? You, this is not real. This is, this is just a story. This is out of your own mind, and look at you. You're a mess. And I noticed every time I would reread that chapter as I was editing it, I'd get my Kleenexes, and I would cry. What was happening? I was creating emotions. And that's what the devil will do if you don't forgive. He will keep you replaying that video over and over and over again. And you, you, it's impossible to get rid of the hurt. It's impossible to get rid of the emotions associated with it while you're replaying that video. So what do you do? You throw that video away. And you put in a new one, just like we just read. You put in a new one. You begin to pray for them. And when it's all over, you're the overcomer. You're the victor. You're the one that has overcome. And that's a new video that you can play over and over again. So whenever I was really asking the Lord about um, how do I forgive, I just, I'm just having so much trouble forgiving. And the Lord took me to uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the second verse. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, Bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. Now, when the Holy Spirit starts to teach you something, the words will just jump off of the page. And that's what jumped off of the page for me was making allowances because you love one another. And you've heard me share this, but this was a vision that I had as he was teaching me. And I had this vision as I was getting ready to go out the door of the church, I, I saw this vision. And there was this big dog, and he was growling and snarling, and saliva was dripping from his fangs. And, and uh, I could tell he was crazy. So my first thought was, let's get somebody with a shotgun. Milton, you go kill that dog. That would have been my third, first thought. And in this vision, then, I took another look, and I saw that his hind leg 
was practically severed. It had been almost severed and the tendons were showing and blood was gushing down his leg. And when I saw that, I realized that the dog was very, very hurt. And so my focus changed. My focus changed from the behavior of the dog to the need of the dog. And now I say, Milton, put up your gun. Let's get a vet, veterinary here and let's get this dog, something done to this dog to help him. So what had changed? Suddenly the compassion, that inward compassion that's on the inside of us as born-again people uh, began to rise up for that animal that was hurt. And then the Lord began to tell me, that's the way you forgive. You turn, and you, foc you turn your focus from the behavior of people. And let me tell you, hurting people will hurt people. Bitter people will hurt people. People that's been wounded, they're going to hurt people. How can you forgive them? Because you see that on the inside of them are full of wounds. And then the Spirit of God said this to me. If the wounds that were on the inside of an individual was on the outside, you would be way more compassionate. Because there are wounded people everywhere. Everywhere there's wounded people. And they are a potential to hurt other people. So how do you forgive? You don't look at their behavior. You say like Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Longfellow said this. Um. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm any hostility we might have, even in our enemies. What happens to your emotions when compassion rises up? Changes. That's how you forgive. You look for ways to love people because of what they're going through. It's not about you. It's about them. When we don't forgive, it's all about us. When we do forgive, it's all about them. But we reap the benefits of it. So, I want to look, I want to uh, draw this to a close uh, there's two scriptures I want to look at. Ephesians 4.32. Now we looked at the fruit of unforgiveness. But let's look at the remedy. In Ephesians 4.32. So he just got through talking about all this junky, yucky fruit of unforgiveness. So then he says, and become useful, helpful, and kind to one another. Tender-hearted compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. How did God in Christ forgive you? 
Let's just look at it for a minute. When you sinned, that's not when God forgave you. He forgave you when Jesus took your sins, past, present, and future. When Jesus took all of those sins on the cross and paid for your sins. At that moment, forgiveness was granted to you for anything you ever had done, anything you're doing now, anything you will do. It's already been predetermined that you are forgiven. The only way that you receive it is to ask for it. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Does, does God say, oh, I don't know. That's the tenth time you've done that. I've already forgiven you nine times. I don't know if I want to do it again. That is, that's not the way he does it. It's already been predetermined. You, already gonna, you are already going to be forgiven. You just ask for it. So how are you going to forgive someone else like God forgave you? You predetermine ahead of time that you're going to forgive everyone that does you wrong, period. You predetermine. You make a decision in your life. I don't care what anybody does or says to me. I am going to forgive them. That takes the pressure off. You're already pre-positioned to be a forgiver. That's what it is being like God forgave us. So now I want to close with 1 Peter uh, 3 verses 8 through 11 in the TPT, please. So now this is the goal. To live in harmony with one another. And demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly or insult those who insult you. But instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scriptures tell us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive in what they say. Always turn for what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Listen to this. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship now a few years ago God spoke this word to me it's not what others do to you that matters in your life it's what you do with what they've done that determines peace or strife you always have a choice to make when facing every test so child when you choose my way You've chosen to be blessed. That's what God is saying through what we just read. 
there's a way to walk through your life blessed. And it's important what you do with what they did. What you do with what they did. That's what's important. And that's what will determine what is going to happen in your life. So as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, not your husband, not your wife, not your neighbor, not your pastor, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Stand with me. So this, this, is my, this was my determination uh, several years ago. I made this declaration before God. I made this decision. I refuse to be offended at anyone or anything. No matter how I'm treated or what anyone says to me, I determine to quickly forgive and let it drop immediately. I resist the temptation to entertain the offense in my thoughts, my words, or my actions. And by doing this, I have dismantled the devil's most powerful trap. And we saw that trap last week. It's an ugly trap. We don't want to get in it. So my suggestion to you this morning is to make that same decision in your life that I made in mine because that's God's grace will help you to keep it will you do it right every time I, it is a learning process I mean the Bible says uh, in Ephesians 4 chapter I reread this uh, last night and I thought you know it says when you are angry sin not don't let the the sun go down on your wrath I mean I thought okay Paul I know you're choleric I know that you know you probably got angry but um, he learned you just have this little window of opportunity to stay angry the best thing to do is don't get angry this is a decision I made a long time ago too I don't have to get angry I do not no matter what happens I do not have to be angry but if you do this is Paul talking then you only have till sundown and then you better get rid of it because you know what will happen if you don't get rid of it it's going to become a root of bitterness and man, I know how hard it is to get roots up. So this morning as we close, I just want you to search your heart. Is there anybody that you need to forgive this morning? This is the day to forgive. Don't hang on to it for one more minute. I know you have a little time before the sun goes down tonight. But why not just get rid of it right now? So I just want you to bow your head and uh, let the Lord search your heart. Is there any unforgiveness here, Lord? 
Is there anybody that I need to make allowances for? That I've been holding something against them because, uh, because they uh, might act different or they might have hurt me or inconvenienced me. Lord, right now, just say this, you know, if this is you, just say right now, Lord, I loose them and I let them go. I loose that offense off my life and I release forgiveness to them. Just let the Lord show you the hurt that's on the inside of whoever it is. And let the compassion of God rise up on the inside of you for them. I didn't bring my little faucet this morning, but a faucet, you can turn it on and turn it off. And you can turn on your compassion for your enemy, if you want to call him an enemy, for your enemy. And let that compassion flow out of you. And guess what? You're going to be free. It may not stop what they did to you, but it stops the emotion and it stops the memory. Uh, I mean, you can still recall it, but it, it's throw, it does something to the video, destroys that video. And now you can truly love that person. I tell you, there's a grace. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was a grace on him that allowed him to be able to carry the sins of the whole world on him when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we could say the same thing. Father, forgive that person for they know not what they do. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.